This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following episode contains references to and quotes from people who have died and also references the stolen generation. There's also some coarse language. Hello, I'm Jessica Aidy and I'm here with my best mate, Mad Dog. Mad Dog, Madeline Joy, Maddie Nixon. There she is. All of my names. (laughs) (laughs) Mad Dog, how's it going? Yes, Dog. Uh... (laughs) I'm a bit all over the place today because, you know, Brisbane COVID is happening and that's fun. And I taught a class this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, Heidi has been weird all week because of the rain. That's my cat. She's been doing all sorts of (laughs) alcohol in the house, which is great Mm -hmm. when you've got a writing deadline. So that's me. That's good. (laughs) And, I mean, I... I'm good. I haven't had a chance to watch um, the spicy interview which you sent me mm. where Tracy Grimshaw on Current Affair has crucified Scott just Morrison. murdered the Prime Minister. Oh, on TV. Yeah, it's about 22 minutes long mm. and it's all worth it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm looking forward to that and particularly because, like, he'd declined multiple invitations to appear on 7.30. So I was like, okay, well, you're afraid of... 13, because he's 13. afraid of Lee Sales. I mean, I would be too um, um, because she's brilliant at her job and she would oh, just yeah. tell him to sit she's down. so wonderful. And then... <laughs> and be accountable. Tracy Grimshaw did exactly that. Yeah, because he thought if he went on a Channel 9 show, he would mm. be safe. Uh, and, also, and then Tracy Grimshaw was like... Absolutely not. Sit down, Scott. <laughs> um, and especially because, like, if he'd just gone on 7.30, most of the people who watched a, watch A Current Affair wouldn't have seen it. Like, they, the people who watch 7.30 will watch yeah. this on A Current Affair. So he's really expanded his audience through his crucifixion. Well, it's just, like, his voting public watch A Current Affair. So he's really mm. just taken a poo on his own front door step. Yeah, and then made sure that everyone saw it. Like he's taken the poo and then he's picked it up and then he's shown it around to his uh, constituents. Whereas all of like, us ABC viewers already know how we feel about ScoMo, so it's like, well. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's I'm looking forward to, to that. The up, I'm looking forward to the upcoming election, which hasn't been announced yet, mm, but will be. That'll be good. I think that'll be quite exciting. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also deeply concerned about how tiring and exhausting it will be. (laughs) Oh, I'm tired now, you know. I'm already so tired. (laughs) The news cycle has been very exhausting lately. Um, And on that note, should we change it up? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk about. And this is why we choose to to do research every week on a different topic to distract ourselves. (laughs) 
And this one, like this week, I've learned so much and it's all so interesting. And there's so many things that I've just gone, I'm so dumb. Like, I don't know these things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's been a big week for you, love. Yeah. Yeah. My topic, I've done a whole bunch of research on Udru Nunakul, who is or was, because she has passed away in the 90s, was an Aboriginal poet and activist and other yeah. than her name, before like doing this research, I literally I knew that she was a poet, and that's all I knew. And like I was a big nerd in school, like I loved English, but I don't remember doing a poetry unit, so maybe it just didn't come up there. But I did modern mm. history, and she didn't come up. And I think yeah. I just know the name because my parents are interested in things like you know. Yeah, did, we definitely learned about her. Yeah, we learned about her in high school. I do remember Mm. that. I don't think it was in great length or detail, but I do remember that. And then in my stint as stage manager for Queensland Poetry Festival for three years, Mm. got to be reintroduced to her work again. Um, Yeah, very, very important figure and Mm. very impressive. But I am sure I will learn way more today because I don't – there's lots of things that I don't know about. Yeah, I didn't didn't know anything about her life at all. And having looked it up, some of her poems are like set texts for the HSC yeah. at the moment. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just going to dive into it um, from her birth and then we'll get to the cool stuff. Udru Nunakul is a name that she chose for herself, but she was known professionally as Kath Walker. Mm. Um, and so I will kind of, I'll mostly use the name Udru, but we'll kind of reference where she changes names and things. Oh, so Udru was born as Kathleen Jean Mary Ruska in 1920 in Bulimba in Brizzy, which is a nice place along the river. It is, um, it is. And she was one of seven and her parents' Whoa. names were Ted and Lucy. So her father, Ted, was a Nunical man and her mother, Lucy, was born in central Queensland. And so Lucy's mother had been an Aboriginal woman from western Queensland who'd been taken to work on a station mm. and then the white station owner was Lucy's father. Um, and so Udru's mother was taken from her mother and then taken to a Catholic institution for uncontrollable girls, in quotation marks, in Brisbane. And then when she was 14, she was sent to a station as a domestic servant in Bullia. God. So s- cycle of stolen generation there. Yeah, um, and also like massively different places. Yeah, as well, Bulia is as far west as you can go in mm. Queensland before you hit the Simpson Desert. But she also spent time in Brisbane, and then that's just all over the place. That's yeah. And huge. while apparently while she was working not for money um, in Bulia, mm. the apparently the owner went like took her to Meribra, which is also very far away, on a shopping trip, oh and gosh. that's where she met Ujuru's dad, just yeah, like right. by, by chance on this trip. Um, and then they eventually married and moved to Stradbroke together, which is where he was from. A really interesting interview with Udru, which was on like ABC Rewind, like it's there, it's from 1967. Oh, yeah. And it's really interesting because she she's so patient with this interviewer mm. when he's asking about her family. And I just keep having to remind myself, oh, man, it's a different time. Like she's explaining the stolen generation to this man in the 60s, which is really interesting. And also she sounds like Judy Garland, like because it's the voice that people had on the telly Mm. in the 60s. It's like Mm. very glamorous. That 
Australiana Pacific Radio, ABC Radio mm. presenter voice. Yeah, the Adelaide, the Adelaide. Mm. <laughs> She's so beautiful. They still have. Yeah. Uh, um, but one of the things that she talks about was her mother's passion for her getting an education. Um, yeah, right. That was something that was denied her, and that like they had a bit of a difference of opinion because her mother was you need to get an education and you need to go and you need to be better than all the white people to succeed Mm. um whereas Ujuru like especially she goes on it's like more hoping for like self-determination and that maybe Aboriginal people don't don't need to be you know constrained by the rules of a white supremacist society but it's a really interesting to see Someone talk about those things like from the 60s. It's mm. cool. Yeah, and she's also um, like talking about her her childhood on Minjeriba, which is the name for North Stradbroke Island. Mm. Um, mm. And the Nunakal people are the traditional owners of that area and they're part of like three distinct peoples that are known collectively as the Kwandamuka people. Their country covers the area around Moreton Bay off the coast of Brisbane, really beautiful part of the world. And so that's where she grew up. But she finished school at when she was 13, which was during the Depression, and then went to work in Brisbane as a domestic servant, which was pretty common at the time. Um, mm. But she was paid for board and lodging, um, much less than what the white women were paid for, for the same job. Yeah, right. Um, but she had gotten an education, which is what her mother had wanted for her. In World War Two, because her, her brothers were were fighting in Singapore, so they, they were in the army and she had enlisted because there's the Australian Women's Army Service, which is really interesting. Like I don't know if you know, know much about that. Like I haven't. No. <laughs> Maddie's shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it didn't feel like a question because you, yeah, there wasn't a Sorry. question at the end. <laughs> it just was a sentence that ended. Uh. I can only apologise. But, yeah, so she was like a signaller in the army um, and was doing admin and things for a couple of years. And she did accounts until she was discharged in 1944. So for two years she was in the army. Um, And then I found a really fun fact about Audrey as a young woman. She was the founder of a sports team um, and the sport they were playing was Cricko. What is that? Eggs. Cricko. Yeah. Can I guess? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then if go I... for it. Okay. Is Vigoro a sport? <gasps> and that's going to come up next. Is it Vigoro and cricket together? I mean. Or mm. have I just, is it something completely out of that field? Like, no, it's like kind of related because they were playing her team, which was the Brisbane All Blacks, um, and she represented Queensland at Cricko as well. Oh, wow. Um, but then they got sick of that or it just wasn't what they wanted to do and then they started playing Vigoro, the same team. Uh-huh. And she was in a team that was called the Why Worries, mm-hmm. which they'd done as like one word, which is nice. Because is Vigoro still a sport? I remember yes. when I was in primary school, one girl, Haley, played it. Mm. And it was like, oh, yeah, that weird sport Haley plays. Yeah, because it popped up in, in my research and I was like, excuse me, madam. Yeah. What do you mean? So Cricko is based on cricket, but it's like mm-hmm. women women play cricket. So I'm not okay. it was I was hard to find like specific rules as to what was different. Um but then Vigoro is initially it was more of a mix between cricket and tennis. 
Yeah. So they're playing cricket with a weird little bat. It's a weird bat, yeah, and that's And then all it's I become more like there's also baseball things in there. Oh. And this is a game that is still played competitively in Australia, so we're going to yeah, swing right. back to this Another time. in a different episode. Amazing. Um, Maybe so, I can I can find Haley from my primary school days and we can interview her because she's clearly mm, the expert. <laughs> yeah. So Udru Nunakul, like renowned poet, also really great at a very strange little sport in her youth. Um, so there's some because there's an autobiography, not an autobiography, a biography of her that has like some pictures in it. So there's all these beautiful pictures of this team playing a weird sport. Um, yeah, so in the 40s, she's playing Cricko. She's playing Vigoro. <laughs> um, she married Bruce Walker in 1943 and they mm-hmm. had a son called Dennis, uh, but they then did separate. And she, while she was, you know, raising her son, she worked for the Salentos, like Raphael oh, and right. Phyllis Salento, so like Lady Salento. Yeah. Who is super interesting as well, like an early advocate for like family planning and lots of different women's health things and that's why the children's hospital in Brizzy was named after her for a bit and they thought it was confusing sounded like a private hospital when it was a public one so it's just yeah yeah anyway um but while she was working there she had a second son who's named Vivian and Vivian's father was the Salento's son whose name was also Raph Jr and he he was married to someone else at the time as well so I don't know mm, what was some going kind of on there. entanglement yeah um but it seems like she like was like kind of an important part of the like Salento household and like was treated mm. well by them and they encouraged her creative pursuits which was uh, tragically unusual for the time yeah. um yeah and so both her sons did adopt names of their own choice as well later in mm-hmm. life when she did because Vivian became Kabul Nunakul and Kabul means carpet snake. Um, and then Dennis was – Dennis has a long one. Um, it's Bajam, Kanmanara, Jalo, Nunakul, Kabul mm-hmm. is what was his formal long name. And they're, they're really interesting as well, her sons. All right, so from the 40s she started to get involved in, in politics. Like in the 40s she was doing stuff with the Communist Party of Australia for a little bit um, – mm because they were the only party at the time without a white Australia policy and who yeah. opposed racial discrimination. Yeah, that's yes. pretty bad. So that's why she was drawn to them. Um, but she wanted to be writing her own things and, like, live in her life in a, in a bit of a different way. And she was, like, writing writing stories and writing poems um, and someone sent them to Jacaranda Press, which is oh, yeah. in, still in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and Judith Wright yes. was a submissions reader at the time and she was the one who was re- recommended like publication and stuff and they were quite quite good friends throughout yeah. their lives. I actually, I knew that was one of the things that I knew because working at Queensland Poetry Festival, it was at the Judith Wright Centre mm. every year and every year we had to um, pull Judy's desk out from careful storage and it was Mm. it was actually a display in a writing desk and there was installations where writers would come and sometimes use the desk for some kind of event and that was like 
a whole process because <laughs> it's this it's this like archive mm. of literature yeah. in Queensland um and I think there were one or two sessions about Ujura and Judith Wright together in mm. one of the years that existed but yeah cool. yeah mm. yeah so scary times wielding mm. that desk oh. through <laughs> <laughs> stairways and elevators and <laughs> with technicians that are like yeah just hurl it on the trolley and you're like ah no uh, yeah a precious piece of history it, truly truly yeah, my goodness yeah. and um, a very nice desk hmm, <laughs> might i say oh, yeah for judith yeah but yeah so in 1964 um Ujuru's collection of po- poems published like as kath walker it's called we are going and mm. it was the first book of poetry to be published by an Aboriginal person in Australia, just yeah. the very first one. And it was really successful, as was her second book, which is called The Dawn Is At Hand, which was two years after. And, like, even though they were widely successful, they were dismissed by a lot of critics for a couple yeah. of conflicting reasons. Yeah. Some were just like it's protest poetry, it's propaganda. Mm-hmm. And in some ways she's like, well, it, some, yes, this, some of it is protest yeah. Poetry. And yeah. the same people <laughs> that had those criticisms are just like, oh, it's not poetry, like it's not right. It doesn't yeah. conform to like what what we think, we being yeah. white society, think poetry should be. Um, but look, if you look at... <laughs> I was just going to say mm. like I would love to say that that culture is gone. Mm. Can, can confirm there are still several people in the poetry landscape in publishing landscapes in Australia that have very, very strict, conservative, problematic views around what is performance. So they use performance as a bit Mm. of a, or like slam or avant-garde. They use that as a bit of a, dare I say, dog whistle sometimes Mm. um, for protest poetry or diverse voices and there there's actually like still quite a lot of conflict around that to this day it's better than what it was but even during um our qpf years there were one or two figures not everyone the most of the community is actually really for it but there are one Mm. or two figures that were really quite not and it actually escalated to the point where someone had to be escorted from the building at one time by the yeah it was bad oh my goodness yeah so Um, that hasn't gone um I'm super upset to hear that. <laughs> Which is really upsetting, yeah. And but that's why she's so amazing because she was one of the first people mm. to start that dialogue and that conversation and that conversation is in a better place but it's still being had. Mm. Um, yeah. And a lot of her poems are just available on the internet if you want to check them out and, like, they read to me, like, these are just their poems. They're just poems and like, they're really good poems. Mm, they're wonderful. Yeah. Um yeah. But the publishing press in Australia yeah. is a colonised university-driven space. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but if That's possible, the other camp of people criticising her are even worse because um, oh, they were saying because there were, there were people who were just like, well, she can't have possibly written it herself because uh, yeah, yeah. she's an Aboriginal woman. Yeah. So that's just, that's what she was facing. Yeah. Um, so fucked up. And that's why, like, watching this, like, beautiful interview that she was doing on the ABC, like, when her, I think around the time her second book was coming out, and I was, she's just so patient. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just so much to be up against and really fascinating. And 
Like all well, some of the awards that she got, like in the 60s, she got the Jesse Litchfield Award for Literature, yeah. um, a Fellowship of Australian Writers Award, um, and the Dame Mary Gilmore Medal. Um, and I don't know if you know who Mary Gilmore is, but she's the lady on the $10 note. Ah, there you go. Mm. And there she's go. super interesting. I'm, we'll do an episode on her one day. Um, Udra actually met her in 1962, so just mm-hmm. like two years before her book came out. Mary was 94 because um, oh. she was a prominent poet and Good activist innings. in her own right. Um, yeah. And Audrey was just like, oh, I don't – I don't think my poems are good enough to be published. Um, yeah. And Mary Gilmore was pretty much like, don't be ridiculous. And then I've yeah. got a quote from her, which says, she said, these poems belong to mankind. You are the tool that writes them down. So essentially being like, these, the people need your poetry. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. So that's a nice vote of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's she's the first to do she's the first to do these things. Yeah, um, so impressive. Yeah, and she's also like alongside you know doing her poetry, being an artist, being a mother. She's act like she's an activist. She's doing all mm. these things for her community. Because um, in 1962, as well, same year she met Mary. She was the Queensland State Secretary for the Federal Council for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Advancement. Um, at the time, it had a different word instead of Aboriginal, um, mm-hmm. which was appropriate at the time, not appropriate now. Um, and same for the Queensland Aboriginal Advancement League. She was an executive of that group as well. So doing that, she was travelling around Australia in the early 60s, campaigning for just equal rights and all these things that in a lot of ways still haven't fully got there. Mm. Um and she was meeting with cabinet ministers and the prime minister at the time, Robert Menzies, mm-hmm. who we've we've met in another episode. He was a prime minister for a long time. A very long time, yeah. And apparently there's an incident in this meeting where he'd offered her a glass of sherry and she pointed out to him that he should be arrested because in Queensland at the time it was illegal uh, for her to consume alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Imagine so, telling a prime minister you should be arrested mm. and <laughs> just like in a well-earned mm. kind of middle finger but very well-crafted moment yeah. of like, mm. yeah, that's pretty fascinating. There's She was on, they did like a This Is Your Life episode in the 70s, which I could oh. only find there was like one little clip of it and it's her like one of her friends telling that, that story. Amazing. And that's that's really sweet because it's just like oh she said this yeah there's like two like old ladies at that time <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she was amazing and the prime yeah. minister was there which is a form of protest in itself like mm. all of that unspoken work that is done just in daily interactions that is a form of protest and progress and yeah yeah so it was this sort of activism and like of you know heaps of people like. Ujuri that did lead to like the 1967 referendum, um, which was when Aboriginal people were counted in the census, although they couldn't vote in that referendum. The referendum is kind of equated as doing these things that it actually didn't do. Like people think, yeah. oh, that's when people got the vote. And so, well, no. Yeah, um, no. Like full voting, ro- full, voting rights, full voting rights and equal pay kind of came in by around 1983. Yeah, which is just so late. 
Yeah, because in 1962, Aboriginal people in most states had the option to enrol to vote if they were included as a citizen. A lot of people weren't. A lot of people were mm-hmm. wards of the state. Um, it's just really bad, and especially in Queensland and the Northern Territory and Western Australia. Mm. But I'm just going to give you a just a grim list of background information, okay. which is all right. what she's up against. So the, the, the Queensland Acts were laws that gave the government authoritarian control of Aboriginal settlements um, in places mm. like Sherbourg, Mapoon, Bamaga, and Warabinda, which is west of where I grew up. Um, and before 1965, the director of the Department of Native Affairs had complete control of missions and reserves and was the legal guardian of all Aboriginal people under 21. Yeah. Mm. And in this capacity, like, they could move any Aboriginal person between reserves and they couldn't leave the place that they were living without permission. They couldn't leave the settlement or the, the mission. Yeah. Um, and they could remove any child and adopt them out to anyone. Um, yeah. At the director's dis- discretion, they could withhold permission for marriages. Personal property could be seized and the right to process was denied and mail was censored. All wages, if any, were paid, were put in a bank account in Brisbane and they needed permission to withdraw money. Um, oh, and many God. people never received their wages from this account, including Udru's yeah, mother. Yeah, no surprises, yeah. Yeah, so that's people who were living in those places. It's, yeah. Um, and so this is happening when, when you know, when she's publishing a book, yeah, doing these things and being really public and trying to get things changed. Um, and those things started to be repealed around like 1965, and slowly, slowly, things change. Yeah. Um, and she actually she ran for the Labor Party in Green Slopes yeah. in 1969, uh, but it's a lib- it was a Liberal stronghold, and she didn't win. But good on her. Um, yeah, she's campaigning for land rights. Yeah. And lots of yeah. polit- politicians in like succession were just like, yep, yep, we're going to do and it. And running against LNP strongholds in mm. Queensland is a difficult yeah. time. Um, and in the 70s, she started, like she she got a, a property on Minjeriba, so North Stradbroke, yeah. um, which she called Mungalba, which means sitting down place. And she established the Nunakul Nui, I think it's how you say the second part of that, Nunakul Nui Education and Cultural Centre. Um, and there was a documentary which came out about her in 1977, which I couldn't find. I really wanted to watch it, but I, it would be in an archive mm. in Canberra. It's called Shadow Sister. I would love to see it. I'd love to talk to anybody about Udru Nunakul. She's just so wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's this documentary because she's returning to Minjeriba um, and like her life there and her real like her passion for education. Mm. Um, and in 1987, there's an interview like talking about her education program, which she's like in the last 17 years I've had 26,500 children on the island. Um, and yeah, and she's teaching about culture and That's nature. Amazing. And yeah. having looked, I looked up the. Like the area at the moment seems like there's a there's a really strong like culture of education and like country and teaching country things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so she's really committed and to education at all levels. And she was worked with work with universities, like on programs for teacher training as well, which is cool. And she published two children's books 
One calls one's called Stradbroke Dreamtime, and then the other mm. one's Father Sky and Mother Earth. Which and is her cool. links to education are still because there's the Ujuru unit mm. at QUT in the education department and the education building. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating. Like you can kind of see all these threads when you're in, you know, Queensland. You can see all these threads mm. still yeah. around, which is amazing. And because I kind of think because I like a couple of in the past week, a couple of my friends in Sydney have been like, oh, what's the next episode? And be like, oh, I am doing some research on Audrey Newknuckle and they don't know who she is. Yeah, right. Um, and then I'm like, it's in the HSC now, but maybe it wasn't. Yeah. So maybe yeah. there's a gap of people if you're not from Queensland. Yeah, potentially, and especially southeast Queensland as well. Mm. There's a little gap. Yeah, because QT has, she has an honorary doctorate from from them. Yeah. And their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander support unit is the Drew unit. And they yep. have a scholarships program in her name, as you were saying. Um, yeah, so she's doing all these cool things, writing poems, educating people. Mm. Um, and she she was also she was on like an advisory committee for the second ever World Black and African Festival of Arts and Culture, which was on in 1974. And on the way back, she was on a plane. Planes had to do a lot of refueling at that time. Um, and it was a bit more casual. So when she'd stopped at Dubai, the two people she was travelling with got off the plane to stretch their legs. Mm. She didn't need to. She stayed mm. on the plane. Um, and it was hijacked. Oh, which my gosh. happened a lot more regularly than you'd think. Oh, God. Yeah. So Maybe because were, you could just hang out on the tarmac. Yeah, you can just walk on there. Um, oh. Yeah, so it was a... The plane was hijacked by terrorists who were campaigning for Palestinian liberation. Yeah, um, right. And so one of them was speaking, spoke English and like asked her if she was from India or Pakistan and was apparently pretty stunned to discover that she was Aboriginal. Mm-hmm. Um, and allegedly, according to her biography, she told them that she sympathised with their cause that, but that it just wasn't a good way to go about it, that they'd be better off coming to work on the festival next year. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. Um, but the guy that she was talking to turned out to be like an airport caterer who'd been abducted as an interpreter. So uh, it's possible that he didn't pass that message on. Um, okay. Didn't, didn't <laughs> make that suggestion, but we don't, we don't know. Uh, um, yeah, and so the, the hijackers ultimately did shoot a crew member and a passenger who was a German banker and forced the plane to fly to different destinations. Um while she was on or off? Yeah. She was for three days. Oh, my gosh. Three days um, she was a hostage with other people um, and she actually used a pencil and a sick bag from her seat pocket to write two poems during that time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. One's called Commonplace and the other one is called Yusuf Hijacker. Um, and it's really interesting, again, like the this is her life thing, this is your life, I think people talking about, her on the plane, like the chief, like flight attendant, was just like that she, you know, she was getting people together, like getting people singing. Like she oh my God. really, you know, took on the the motherly role that she has in her community and was doing that on the plane and like writing poems. And As she lost do. them. She lost them for a while. Apparently she didn't know where they were. Some people were asking, but then it's I mean, something. Fair enough. Because <laughs> they were written on a little sick bag. But then someone else had them in like an archive of her work. So they're both on the internet. Yeah, because uh, I think I've read Commonplace. Literally, mm. as you were saying this, I Googled it to check that I wasn't just making that up. But I had no idea it was mm. written 
in a hostage situation. That. No. Mm. It, do, it, it didn't cross my mind. No. It's a good part. She was in her 50s at that point. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. So okay. wild. So wild. Um, <laughs> that's it. Imagine being in a hostage situation and going, well, I better write down some poems. Mm. You know, like what a what yeah. a way to deal with the situation. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so there's a, a play about this incident um, written by a relative of hers. I think he's a nephew, uh, but Sam Sam Watson is his name. So that's really interesting as well. That's from 2009. Uh, it's about this incident. It would make a really good movie, I reckon. Yeah. Cool older lady on a plane. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and because Sam Watson and her son Dennis started uh, like a Black Panther yeah. party. So they're doing different yep. kinds of activism with the yep. same goal, um, yep. really. Um, and Sam Watson's son mm. is Sam Wagen Watson, who is an amazing poet in his own right. In That's cool. Brisbane, yeah, and he's mm. he's done a bunch of stuff at QPF. Yeah, we right. should absolutely have him on one time. It all links back. It's it all links. does. But, yeah, he's an amazing poet mm. and you should check his work out That's if really you're cool. listening. Yeah. Mm. I'll check it out as well. Yeah. All right, so we're moving forward. So that was that was in 74. Um, I've, I've jumped towards 1983 because she ran for another election, um, this time in Redlands for the Australian Democrats, and she was promoting environment and Aboriginal rights again. She didn't. She wasn't elected, but again, she's doing politics. Yeah. Um, and also in the eighties, she was in a film called The Fringe Dwellers, which is Bruce Beresford's film. Mm-hmm. Apparently, really well received. I think it's the only mm-hmm. film she ever did other than a documentary. She's very busy, you know. She's, got she's a lot doing on. a lot. Yeah, so yeah. Much. Her dance card is full. And I've had to cut things down. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> okay, so she because she. Was awarded a MBE. What is it? The Medal of the British Empire. Oh, in, I, don't, in 19, I don't know what they stand for. Letters after yeah. your name in 1970, yeah. um, and she said that she's accepted the the award as a way to open doors for for her people. Like she thought yeah, it was a, a good idea. Um, then in 1987, to in protest for the bicentenary celebration on Australia Day, she handed it back. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maddie is clapping. Um, I love that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because they were celebrating 200 years of invasion. They're doing reenactments and stuff. Yeah. It is literally and figuratively cooked. Mm. And she said she was, you know, returning it in protest over the intention to celebrate what she described, and this is a quote, as 200 years of sheer unadulterated humiliation of Aboriginal yeah. people. And she yeah. also announced that she'd be changing her name to Uduru Nunakul. With yeah, Uduru means paperbark tree and Nunakul is the name of her people. Because I found a little article from the Canberra Times from 1987 which said that she said she had considered both moves for some time but had waited until now to use it as a means of nonviolent protest against 200 years of white occupancy in Australia. Um, yeah. Yeah, so she was biding her time. Amazing. Um, so that's 1987. And then in 1988, Maddie 
it is it's your my special favorite year. It's your special time. Nineteen eighty eight. I was not born, but it's my favorite year uh, because of your special subject Expo nineteen eighty eight. Yes, and it's about to appear. Brisbane will show the world. Mm-hmm. It's Let's about go. to appear in my story. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so with her son Vivian, who was he changed his name to Kabul at that time, yeah. which means carpet snake. And he'd gone to NIDA for a bit, but then found it too. They were trying to mould everyone into the same thing. He's like, no, it's not for me. So he's a performer yeah. and a dancer. Yeah. Um, and so together they wrote the script for the Rainbow Serpent Theatre, which was in the Australia uh, yeah, Pavilion right. yeah. at Expo 88. And she did it on the condition that Expo have no involvement with the Bicentenary celebrations. Yeah, right. Which it, it didn't. Um, yeah. And also that the performers that were hired be Aboriginal and there were 10 of them and that they be play, pa- played and that they be paid at above equity pay rates, oh, which excellent. they were, um, and that they be housed and fed comfortably somewhere close to the pavilion, which they yeah. were. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so this... Because, like, Expo, it's, like, millions of people coming through. Yeah. So it was a 8.5-minute-long performance so that Ooh. the 10 performers are cycling through. Yeah. And they estimated that there was 10,040 performances of it. Oh, my God. So they each did I, like, I get really angry and upset and bored after 30 performances of mm. the same show. I cannot imagine. They each did. That. So th- there's 10 of them. They each did it a, like a thousand times. Whoa, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad they got paid above equity. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. Mm. Oh my God. Mm. Oh, you'd lose your mind. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and apparently some of like the set and stuff from the pavilion was like going to be chucked out, and, but they took it to Stradbroke and incorporated it into different things. Yeah. Wow. So like, don't be ridiculous. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's just so cool. Yeah, and she seemed to have had a really lovely relationship with her son um, and because he, he passed away in 1991. He was 38 mm-hmm. from an AIDS-related illness. Yeah. Um, and from her, her biography, it seems that he was pretty ad- adamant at the time he didn't want to damage her reputation by being public with his diagnosis. Oh, and her attitude's so like, she, you know, and to respect his wishes, but she was really stunned when she was, you know, visiting him in hospital and seeing people who families had abandoned them. Yeah. And she's just a huge supporter of her son, um, like through his career and his illness. Um, I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. Just a really lovely relationship and really sad. Mm. Yeah. So later in her life she was a judge of the – do you know how to say it's on the $50 note? David Unaipon, U N A I P O N. Either way, he's Aboriginal man and he's on the $50 note. I'll find out how to pronounce his name when we do an episode about him. Apologies. Um, so, the David Unaipon Award for Indigenous Writers, and she was an advisor on the National Aboriginal Studies Curriculum for Teachers, and she was a patron of Queensland's first Writers' Centre. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, I mean, I'm just going to, she's, there's so many of them. I'm just, I'm just going to go through it. So she's got an honorary, honorary doctorate of letters from Macquarie Uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's an honorary doctor of the University of Griffith University. There's a plaque with her name on it on the Sydney Writers' Walk. We've talked about QUT already. 
in 2009, there was the, what is it, Q150, like 150 years of Queensland, yes. I guess. She was. Yes, I remember it well. She was an icon. She was a Q150 icon um, as an influential artist. Um, and, yeah, the Queensland Poetry Festival that we've talked about, their Indigenous program has the Udru New Knuckle Indigenous Poetry Prize. Yes. And also the Electoral District of Ujuru was created in 2017 in Queensland when there was a, a state electoral redistribution and that in, does include Minjeriba, North yeah. Stradbroke. Yeah. So it includes her country, which is really cool. Yeah, and she passed away in 1993, had a big funeral on Minjeriba. Hundreds of people came yeah. to farewell her and, and she was buried next to her son, which is lovely. And beautiful. And, yeah, I got a bunch of information from a biography, which is she'd worked with the the writer of it, whose name is Kathy Cochran or Kathleen Cochran. Mm-hmm. Yep. It says Kathy on the back, but sometimes she goes by Kathleen, yep. um, who was a really good friend of hers and they'd been working on it together before she passed away. Um, yeah. And that also includes like a, you know, a poetry literature appreciation thing from Judith Wright. So that's really interesting. Like if you want to know more and then all these Great photos. I borrowed it from the library. It seems to be in every library when I looked it up. It's really good. Well, the only the only thing with that that is something to be aware of that it was written in the nineties by like older older ladies. So they they referred uh-huh. using different words that okay yeah yeah I wouldn't be appropriate now and can be a bit jarring to read. But they, yeah. that is how people identified at the time. Just to be aware, um, they're a really good read. Really interesting. Mm. I feel like there's just like a million more things that you could find out. Absolutely. And I just, there's like, there's no possible way to do it justice. You're just so fascinating and just like achieve so much within like a society that didn't want that to happen. Yeah. Was also really, really important in her community. Yeah. And like as a mother and like there's lots of people in the, in the research that I came with people who, you know, are her descendants or from her mm. community and like to lots of people she was Annie Kath, like yeah, she was a really yeah. important person um, and I'm glad I now know more about her and like her poems are really cool. Yeah. Um, I won't be reading any uh, because copyright but no. I do recommend. You can, you can look them up mm. in the right places. Yeah. But, yeah, a huge, a huge community of artists that still work, you know, from – the same area from mm. Minjeriba, Stradbroke, yeah. North Stradbroke, like Wesley Enoch, who, you know, was the artistic director of Queensland Theatre, and Leanne Enoch, who was the Minister for Arts in Queensland, and her son Ethan is an amazing poet. He's mm. a young contemporary poet. Um, you can find his work on Voices of Colour. He's amazing. He's going to, like, go places. Also a, a great actor and theatre maker. Um, cool. Yeah, you can. It's this awesome kind of legacy that still mm. exists, which is a pretty impressive. Yeah, that's all I have. I don't have anything, any more research other than that. Audrey Nunkle's really cool lady. Yeah, um, and there are clips of her in like various interviews um, throughout her life, um, which some people might not want to watch because it is she's an Aboriginal woman who has passed. But yeah. If that yeah. is something that you're comfortable viewing, really interesting. Um, yeah. And she's really cool as an older lady. Yeah. Mm. She knows what she's about. And also just like her reading her own work, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was 
yeah, something about there was a kind of a shift also around that time around poetry becoming a spoken form and a performed form rather than just a written and read mm. form. And that that is like a, you know, she was kind of a part of that shift in the landscape as well. And that carries through. Queensland Poetry mm. Festival is the biggest poetry festival. It's one of the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere and one of the biggest in the world. Like it's huge. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, mm. And that element of performance and actually, you know, reading your own words on stage is something that, you know, we can thank her and others for as well. Mm. That's really useful. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Good intel. Yeah. Next week we'll be doing an episode about Bogo Road Jail and Ooh. we'll be joined yes <laughs> and we'll be joined by special guest Daniel Gray um, who actually worked as a tour guide there the same time I worked briefly briefly being the oh. keyword as a tour guide at Bogo Road Jail fascinating stuff well I look forward he's to that he's got a lot of goss he's got a lot of goss it's going to be a good one uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Australianorama or you can go to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a nice review. Please do. Please, Please do. And also we've been really enjoying all the messages we've been getting from people on Instagram. People have been sending through their own crazy wild stories that they have or telling us about their uncle who's related to someone who has some tidbit and story. So if you have one of those, please get in touch. We love to hear them and we might do an episode. Please. If it's not yeah. shit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love it. So please send us an email or send us a message on Instagram. It's been awesome to meet some of you online. Yeah, our email address. Do we say that? It's australianorama at gmail.com. Yeah, so my sources other than the biography, which is just called Ujuru, that's by Kathy Cochran with contributions from Judith Wright. I also use things from ABC Rewind, the Australian Dictionary of Biography, an episode of Encounter on Radio National, that's the one with um, Sam Watson, and the Canberra Times via the National Library, like their Trove search features, really good for newspaper clippings, just FYI, if anyone's doing an assignment. Um, the- <laughs> or if you're doing a podcast. Yeah. So people, people like will be learning about Audrey for the HSC. There's so much information available. Yeah. Um, the National Museum of Australia, the National Film and Sound Archive, the Queensland Human Rights Commission, the Queensland Parliament website, and Wikipedia. Amazing. Everyone, go and read a poem. Yeah. Go and read an Audrey Nunakul poem or a Sam Watson or Sam Wagon Watson poem or an Ethan... Enoch Barlow poem. Mm. Go and read a poem. Go read a poem. Go read, write a poem. Read it out loud. Go to a poetry slam. Do it. Mm. Great. <laughs> <laughs>